Welcome to Radiologist Headquarters. I'm Dr. Dan Koval, and I'm going to give you five cases in about five minutes, ultrasound number one. For each unknown case, I'll show each slide for about 10 seconds. At that point, you can pause and examine the images further if you'd like. Then I'll review the findings, reveal the diagnosis, and move on to the next case. We only have five minutes, so let's go. First case, 71-year-old male, slide one of two. Slide two of two, showing color and pulse Doppler. All right, so you can see that there's a large heterogeneously hypochoic solid appearing mass in the right testicle. There's the normal left testicle, and it measures over five centimeters in length. It's nearly completely replacing the testis, but you do see that there's a normal rind of testicular tissue posterior here. So whenever you see a solid appearing mass within the testicle, you want to add color Doppler to confirm that it's actually a neoplasm as a hematoma or abscess could sometimes mimic a tumor. And indeed, there is marked intratumoral vascular flow here on the color Doppler images, confirmed on pulse Doppler showing this low-resistance waveform. And in a patient over the age of 60, the most common testicular tumor is lymphoma. And it's usually diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. The treatment is typically orchiectomy and systemic chemotherapy. Age is really important when you're evaluating a testicular tumor, as seminomas tend to occur at an average age of 40, whereas non-seminomatous germ cell tumors are more common in younger patients, ages 20 to 30. All right, next case, history of anticoagulation, slide one of two. Slide two of two, CT scan. So these upper ultrasound images of the kidneys show bilateral hydronephrosis. You can see the collecting systems are dilated. And that's due to the fact that there are these bilateral pelvic masses compressing the bladder. The bladder here has a pear shape, if you have an imagination, and it's compressed bilaterally. This right mass is heterogeneously hypoechoic with septations. It looks like a complex fluid collection of some sort. Looking at the CT scan, you can see that those bilateral pelvic collections correspond to these hyperdense hematomas. So there are bilateral pelvic hematomas compressing the urinary bladder there. You can see that there's a Foley catheter within the urinary bladder. So this is an example of bilateral pelvic hematomas causing a pear-shaped bladder. There's also hydronephrosis due to mass effect against the distal ureterovesicular junctions. So other things that can cause pear-shaped bladder include pelvic collections like abscesses when they're bilateral, bilateral pelvic lymphadenopathy, iliac artery aneurysms, pelvic lipomatosis, and even hypertrophy of the psoas muscles in patients obsessed with abdominal crunches. <laughs> Next case, ultrasound, single slide. All right, so here you can see that the gallbladder is distended. It measures more than seven centimeters in transverse dimension. Four centimeters is the normal transverse dimension. And transverse is usually a better indicator of overdistension than the longitudinal diameter. So we also see sludge in the gallbladder as well as an echogenic shadowing gallstone at the gallbladder neck, which was immobile. If there was a positive sonographic Murphy sign, this would be consistent with acute cholecystitis. Also, though, notice that there are these intermittent echogenic foci along the gallbladder wall, and this represents calcification, indicating a porcelain gallbladder. So how do you manage porcelain gallbladder? Well, traditionally there's been a concern that there's a substantial increased risk of gallbladder carcinoma with porcelain gallbladder. However, studies have actually shown that the risk is not that much higher than the general population. It's 5 to 7% compared to 1% for the general population. So because of that, the 2013 ACR Incidental Findings Committee does not recommend routine follow-up for porcelain gallbladder. 
They do state though if you are going to do any follow-up, it's probably a better idea to do contrast-enhanced CT as opposed to ultrasound because the echogenic shattering calcifications in the wall could potentially obscure a developing tumor that could be better detected on CT. Next case, abdominal mass slide one of two. Slide two of two, CT scan. Alright, the ultrasound images here show this nonspecific lobulated cystic mass, it's anechoic, with increased through transmission, and there are also these septations here, but we don't see any solid component. Uh, this area of vague echogenicity corresponds to side lobe artifact, it's not actually true solid area. And if we look at the CT scan, it confirms that it's not arising from a particular organ, it's isolated to the retroperitoneum. It's abutting the left kidney, but you don't see a claw sign at that renal interface to indicate renal origin. Also on the sagittal and coronal images here, you can see it's very lobulated, it does not appear ball-shaped or encapsulated. And there's a punctate calcification here along the septation, and this is typical for retroperitoneal cystic lymphangioma. And this is a benign congenital proliferation of lymphatic tissue. It's actually more common in the head and neck, but it typically appears as a thin-walled, multi-septated mass, occasionally with mural septation, just uh, centered in the retroperitoneum or peritoneum. All right, final case, slide one of three. Slide two of three, CT scan. Final slide showing chest x-ray. All right, the ultrasound is showing an image of the liver here with this linear echogenic structure that's showing some reverberation artifact indicating metallic density. You can see it's also shadowing here. So it kind of looks like an IUD here, doesn't it? But we don't typically see those in the liver. Looking at the CT scan, you can see a pacemaker lead extending from the right ventricle to the right atrium. Here it is in the right atrium. It's now in the IVC, headed towards the right hepatic vein, and now we're in the right hepatic vein, and this is what we were seeing on ultrasound. The chest x-ray gives us the answer. Here's a right chest wall pacemaker battery pack showing a fractured lead here, and the tip of the lead is where it should normally be in the right ventricle, extending into the right atrium, but then it dives down into the IVC and right hepatic vein. So this part of the lead should be connected to the lead up here. So this is an uncommon complication of pacemaker uh, fragmented pacer lead, but it's something to be aware of because these leads can also migrate into the pulmonary arteries and actually cause pulmonary infarct, septic pulmonary emboli, or in situ thrombosis. All right, that's it for five cases in five minutes, ultrasound number one. As always, you can subscribe to Radiologist Headquarters on Apple Podcasts and YouTube, which includes both our case review and topic-based lectures. Visit us at radiologisthq.com for additional info and to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks and have a great day.